You're listening to WCT.FM, talk radio like no other. God, I love the station. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, around the nation, around the world. You are listening to The Supernatural Realm on WCET.FM. Also simulcasting on WCET 101.7, Columbia Talk in Columbia, South Carolina. Our archives can be found on Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Player FM, and iHeartRadio. And we got a very special guest, Chip, and uh, wow, what an honor this is. Who do we have tonight, bud? Yeah, boy, that's the magic of Tim Roxbury right here. Just finding the best guests, man. Uh, yeah, we've been looking forward to this show for a long time. And uh, what a great day to have a great day here. Our honored guest today is Leon Beebe. Uh, hey, he was born in Brooklyn, New York. Hey, that's your end of the time. My dad was born in Flushing, so yeah, yeah pretty close. His father was a World War II veteran, uh, having fought in D-Day on the beaches of Omaha Beach, uh, and uh, we thank him for his service. Leon attended high school in Riverdale, New York, at the prestigious Riverdale Country School, college at Washington University in St. Louis, and the law school at my alma mater, University of Miami. <laughs> I wasn't in law school, though. I was at parties, but that's for another day. <laughs> we know. <laughs> yeah, right. Leon was CEO of his father's lighting business for 22 years and a member of Young President's Organization for 17 years. Leon is the author of Adam Equals Alien, published in 2014, and the latest book, Adam Decoded, uh, published just short of a year ago. They are part of the Adam Series Trilogy. Uh, Leon is an expert on subjects such as human origins, biology, ancient mythology, and archaeology. He is a believer in ancient texts representing actual human events and true history. Thank you. And his thesis is both controversial and explosive, and we love that here, Jim. We sure <laughs> Leon do. is an adjunct professor of alternative science in New Jersey, and he's been a guest speaker on Coast to Coast AM radio show today here on the Supernatural Realm, and this year, this coming year anyway, as it's running on History Channel's Ancient Alien series television show. So, Tim, I'm going to turn it over to you to welcome our honored guest today, the wonderful Leon Beebe to Supernatural Realm Radio. Welcome to the show, Leon. It's been great, man. It's great Thank to have you. you here. Thank you. Thank you. Great to great to be here and, and, and a privilege as well. Thank you. <laughs> Chip, you want to start off with the first question for Leon? Uh, okay, yeah, because uh, I, I'll say it out loud, you know. It's my birthday tomorrow. And I like for, to do it. <laughs> well, this is kind of a, a birthday present to me mm-hmm. because you're the one person who can keep me out of the doghouse for the rest of my life. <laughs> and that <laughs> wasn't a dumb question either you asked me. No, it, it really wasn't. Um, but I, I want to set this up just a little bit uh, by saying you've been uh, looking at a lot of ancient texts, uh, uh, DNA, <laughs> molecular biology, uh, ancient history, ancient civilizations, 
Um, and you're one of those fine folks that uh, treat our ancient son like idiots. <laughs> so I think that. <laughs> But we're talking human origins, and we're going to get into some fascinating, if not controversial, uh, subjects. So I'm going to ask my wife's uh, kind of controversial question, <laughs> and I'll be out of the doghouse for the rest of my life, I think. You know, okay. so happy birthday to me. All right. Her question basically is, <laughs> Adam and Eve had two boys, sent them out to populate the world, so where are all the women at? <laughs> that's, my, that's my wife's question. I hope that's a good setup for your work. Um, it's a great question. It's one of the questions from I have in Adam equals alien is, you know, you have Adam and Eve, two children, Cain and Abel. Um, you know, Cain kills Abel. Mm -hmm. And then Cain is, is banished to the land of Nod. Huh? Right. And then in the next chapter in the Old Testament, it basically says that, Cain was fruitful and multiplied. So your wife is right on point. You know, who did he multiply with? <laughs> right. You know, um, if Eve's not if Eve's not in the land of Nod, you know, who's he multiplying with? So that's it's just one of the many, you know, statements in the Old Testament that that I as a young child uh, looked at and said, you know, this doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. Yeah. And uh, and questioned it. And then, you know, when I dug further and further, finally understanding what I believe to be the truth, um, now I sort of understand. Okay. Uh, yeah, she's gone to uh, churches here and there and actually asked that question and never gotten an answer. So we've gotten something closer to that. I, You know, I wanted to, uh, hopefully not muddying the pool by adding this in, but uh, sh uh, she and I have been particularly fascinated in the Sumerian uh, text, uh, the Anunnaki, uh, things of that nature. And I, I know yeah. that, you know, you've researched that too. Um, there seems to be kind of an odd parallel between that and the days prior to Noah, you know, with the great flood, uh, some of these about 3,500 years, depending on the estimation apart from each other, the Sumerian and the biblical kind of text, but there is kind of a parallel more to know, I think, than Adam. Uh, but I know that you've done a lot of work with Sumerian texts and Anunnaki. Do you see any Adam parallels there? Yeah, you know, it's very interesting about the Sumerian tablets, which, uh, you know, I didn't know much about prior to 10 years ago and then read a lot of the translation of several of them, not all of them, but several of them. Uh, by some um, linguists from the University of Pennsylvania, oh. Samuel Noah Kramer being the biggest. Oh, okay. Uh, and he and he basically translated um, several of the very important documents in this in, in the Sumerian tablets. And um, th through this, um, he they talk about the Anunnaki, which are referred to in the Old Testament as Anakim, oh. the plural Anakim. It's mentioned sixty-one times, by the way. I did not know. Um, that. And yeah, in the Old Testament, Anakim. And uh, so the, the Anakim were represented as angels in the Old Testament w with wings. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, wings being a depiction of having flown in UFOs. <laughs> um, and the Anunnaki, basically, the Anakim were, were referred in a high regard 
you know, as the angels that were giving advice to, to you know, to Noah, giving advice to any of the the main, the main characters in the Old Testament that quote unquote God had a liking to. And so Noah was one of those people. Abraham another, Jacob another. Um, but in my opinion, after reading the, the the Sumerian tablets and the translation of those Sumerian tablets, I do believe that the Anunnaki came to Earth initially 450,000 years ago from Nibiru, just like Sitchin said. I believe it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that um, humans have been sort of tinkered, the DNA has been tinkered with for several hundreds of thousands of years and finally got it right about uh, 12, about 15,000 years ago, almost like perfect. Um, But I believe that the two brothers, the Enki and Enlil clan uh, that were fathered by Anu, who was Mm -hmm. the sort of the leader, um, I believe that they were represented as gods, sort of the the good God and the bad God, mm-hmm, the good mm-hmm. God being Enki, yeah. uh, who, who supported humans and protected humans and um, educated humans, um, had, a, had a lot of symbolism with the sea. Uh, and then there's Enlil, who was the, je- the jealous God. And my, in my opinion, he was the God of the Hebrews. He oh. was the, the jealous God, the, the God that uh, had smashed you know the gold, golden idols, and the one that basically said, you know, either you, either you honor me as the only god, and pray to me as the only god, or basically uh, you'll you'll be killed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I believe that a, a lot of what it said in the Old Testament, whether it's said um, you know scientifically or not, I, I do believe that it is a true depiction of how things were, mm-hmm. um, except not using. Gods with a small G, just using one God, a singular God with a capital G, mm-hmm. um, that was both human and ethereal, mm-hmm. because sometimes he would be speaking to Abraham on top of Mount Sinai okay. in human form, and other times he would be speaking to, the, say, the people of Israel or to uh, Jesus, any other, you know, main main character, sort of in their ear, telepathically, or not seen. So in a, in a lot of ways, you know, you can sort of, you can sort of see how it, how it's working. It's it, the Anunnaki were nine foot tall, muscular humans, um, Enlil and Enki, both very big men, bearded men, light eyes, or probably reddish blonde hair, um, speaking to an Abraham or a Noah or an, or an Adam. And, um, then getting into a UFO, flying around, causing tremendous noise, um, and performing miracles that obviously were hundreds of thousands of years prior to what humans could perform. But where Adam comes in is Adam sort of is depicted as a plural Adam or Adamu in the Sumerian tablets. It's listed as Adamu. And Adamu basically was a sort of like a, like a, a, as you'd have in a test tube baby, you'd have several zygotes, and only certain of these zygotes will take. Mm-hmm. And so, Adam, the 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 symbolism of Adam, is that this was the final human that could you know that could speak, that could hear, that could walk, that could reproduce. 
that could do all of the things that humans do today. Uh, but again, after tens of thousands, if not almost hundreds of thousands of years of really trying to get it right. Okay. Uh, one, one thing caught my uh, attention in your answers to my questions. Um, you're still with me, right? Because your picture. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, you said uh, uh, maybe about 12,000 years ago, they seem to have gotten it right. Um, looking at modern Homo sapiens being considered for about 60,000 years. Uh, why, why around that time period uh, in your studies, um, especially in, in, in uh, molecular biology, uh, would you estimate uh, around 12,000 years ago of all the time? 12,000 years ago was the time of the flood. Okay. And I believe that, that Enlil caused the flood mm -hmm. through a meteorite um, smashing an ice plate in Antarctica, which caused mass tsunamis and caused the flood. I think that humans um, were intelligent. Um, certainly their brain capacity went from uh, 950 cc's up to 1,450 cc's within 50,000 years. Mm -hmm. So we developed um, an expanded cranium and then obviously a more intelligent brain. Um, but our, our capability of speech was there, but it wasn't there uh, to the extent that it is today. And it seems, it seems as if, um, you know, how we only use 10% of our, you know, of our DNA. Yeah. I believe, I honestly believe that the Anunnaki were capable of sort of turning on or turning off um, the extent of the DNA, uh, you know, progression. Okay. And I think after 12,000 years, after the flood, I think it's, it was turned on for good. And, and, and I think uh, sort of uh, there was an understanding among the, you know, the, the Anunnaki circle of 12 um, that, okay, you know, humans are going to stay. Humans are the future and uh, we accept them. But it took, it took a really long time for Enlil and Enki to be on the same page mm. as it relates to humans. Yeah. That's kind of horse and set in, in Egypt. Too. <laughs> right. Leon, is it is it your belief, Leon, that Adam and Eve were the first humans on on this planet, or does it go? Be is it was there somebody before that? No, I think it was Adam and Eve. I think it was you know one one Adam and one Eve. I do. Um, I think it took you know uh, it took a while for them to to become Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. but I think once they finalized um, their their corrections, you know, from primate plus Anunnaki equals homo sapien um and they did it in clay jars by the way no they didn't use crystal anymore they used to, they were trying it in crystal jars and you know all these depictions you see in mythology with humans with a animal uh you know legs and animals with human heads and you know animals with all sorts of crazy you know convoluted uh genetic mixes all happened as a result of using crystal jars um, which it's denoted in the in the Sumerian tablets is not having worked, huh. and you know the reason why it's said in the Bible in the Old Testament uh, that um, you know man is from the clay from the ground, yeah, right from the ground. This is the reason why it's from the ground because when they finally did this, what they call the admixture, this actually says the words admixture in wow. the Sumerian tablets. 
Yeah, um, done in clay. Um, it was able to protect, I guess, the 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 DNA um, telomeres and and everything sort of connected. And humans came out speaking and hearing and uh, walking and being able to reproduce. Cool. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I think it was the first Adam and Eve. Wow. I thought maybe, but I wasn't sure. I wanted you know, to ask you what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, that's why. That's why the cover of my book, my first book, Adam equals Alien, has a depiction of sort of a you know, a man that looks like an alien mm. and a woman, both in clay, um, sort of looking at each other. Those are models, by the way, from Russia. I, that, that was a no kidding. Picture. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. That was <laughs> that was photographed in Moscow. Wow. Chip, you yep. got follow-up for Leon? Ah, uh, yeah, I, I did. Boy, um, I, I just have to remember what it was. <laughs> I'm just so stunned. <laughs> um, uh, any, uh, do you think it was then perhaps uh, the Sumerian region where this origin might have taken place? Or do you have any ideas where? Yeah. Uh, yeah, South Africa. It started in South Africa. Uh, that's why that's why the our genetic origin is uh, pinpointed to South Africa. Uh, it's right around Tasmania, actually. Oh. Um, um, Tanzania, sorry, sorry, Tanzania. That's okay. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so Enki's Enki's territory. You know, Anu separated Enki and Enlil, mm -hmm. and Enki's territory was Africa, and Anu's territory was the Middle East. Oh, and. So Enki was digging for gold, and you know the story about gold, right? Mm -hmm, mm hmm Okay. So Enki is digging for gold, and by the way, there's they they were found about fifty or sixty years ago. There were found remains of humans eighty feet down in gold mines in uh, in Africa, um, digging for gold and having died in these caves. Wow. And this this is yet another evidence of the Anunnaki because you know and they were and they, they basically they, they were found to be about 50 to 70,000 years old wow and you know you say to yourself well, you know if you're a human you're not going to be 50,000 years ago you're not going to be digging for gold <laughs> you're just not you know you're going to be hunting you're going to be reproducing you're going right. to be protecting you're going to mm -hmm. all of these things you're not going to be digging for gold so the whole idea of uh, the gold mines and the reason uh, why we're know, here the in the first place. <laughs> exactly. You know, why are we here? We're, we were slaves. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's sort of proof to that in South Africa. So basically everything started in South Africa, migrated north and then west into uh, into the Middle East. And the Middle East became a major hub because that was basically the spaceport for the fleets uh, of the UFOs. And there's evidence of, of landing pads in Lebanon, hmm. in uh, a city called uh, Baalbek in Lebanon, where it's shown in, in both my books, where these there are 80 feet by 20 feet by 20 feet monoliths carved by a laser. Uh, almost looks like a, um, a, a, a Lego block, but it's made out of, you know, Pure stone and cut so that it could withstand the weight of of, uh, of massive UFOs, three, four, five hundred foot UFOs landing on it. Otherwise, they'd be sinking. 
you know, in the ground. Mm-hmm. So um, it's pretty amazing. There's pictures in my books of, of, of these monoliths. And, you know, I say in my books, you know, it's impossible, impossible for humans to have cut these, let alone lifted them mm-hmm. with copper tools right. 50 to 70,000, 100,000 years ago. It's just impossible to have done that. And if you go to Baalbek or if you ever get a chance to see some pictures of Baalbek, you'll see these huge slabs um, shown one on top of another and on, and on, on the side of another um, that are connected uh, without any form of uh, like glue, but are connected so that they, they don't separate. Um, and they're just perfect. They're, they're just perfect yeah, seeds. Absolutely flush, yeah. Absolutely. Flush. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it had to have been lasers that, mm. that cut them, and it had to have been levitation to lift them. Wow. So, you think there was yeah, a so UFO that, connection to that? Yeah, I just you know crazy, and I I just I just think that that you know in terms of evidence, and I have a whole section in in my first book on on evidence, um, and what and you know some things that I think are just absolutely slam dunk um, basis for you know Anunnaki etc. But monoliths are one of them. Pyramids are another. Major one, which I think were, um, you know, electrical devices to enhance communication um, and help and basically uh, fire up their um, their tools. You know, the uh, massive saws, lasers, uh, and even fire up their UFOs. Right, and and but they now they're uh, aiming at least allegedly toward the uh, Orion's Belt and the star Sirius, the especially the Giza. Pyramids, right? Um, uh, that this uh, was it Nibiru, the, the Anunnaki. Where is that right. in in conjunction with? Um, it, you have to. I need to brush up on my. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's interesting. It's very interesting. You bring up Sirius because yes, there's a picture of the three pyramids in my book, and then the three star the belt the stars of Orion that form the belt, right? The Orion's Belt, and you know they're in exactly the same proportion mm-hmm. and exactly the same format. Right. So w- the gods, small g, gods wanted the humans to to um, to worship uh, Orion and those three stars of Orion as the origin. So something comes into play, and it's not specified in the Sumerian tablets because only the Anunnaki are. But something, some other species come into play um, with Orion. Now, it's important to mention that the Anunnaki, who are from Nibiru and still live on Nibiru, were originally from Orion. Oh. And, and, and had to move, I don't know why, but had to move from Orion to another planet. And that planet happened to have been Nibiru. Huh. Wow. And this is 500,000 years prior to unicellular life started on Earth. So the Anunnaki are at least 500,000 years ahead of us. So, you know Pluto? Right. Nibiru is way past Pluto. It's, it's, it's three times further from Pluto as Pluto is from the sun. Okay. Is it still part of this particular solar system? It is. It is. It's part of our solar system. Matter of fact, it whips in every three thousand six hundred years. Oh, so that's uh, like Planet X, then. 
that what? it is planet X. Exactly. It's, mm. It is planet X. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, and, you know, uh, they talked about it in the Wall Street Journal in the 80s. They talked about it in the New York Times in the right. 80s. They, they took, you know, Hubble Telescope has photographed it. So it's a fact that planet X exists. And mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a planet that has carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, all of the, um, all of the, the main components of, of, uh, of, of life and oxygen. And so, yeah, it's, you know, my belief, and it mentions Nibiru several times in the Sumerian tablets, that Nibiru is the origin of the Anunnaki. That's where they live. And um, that they explore all areas of our Milky Way, um, you know, at will. Mm. Wow. So it's a That's, planet, it's a planet similar to, to ours. Right. Wow. It's bigger. It's it's like five times the size of Earth. Mm. It's quite big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, you know, it's... It, it, answered all the models of the solar system rotations and everything there had to be right. you know some if, if not a second star then uh, like a, a super earth or something like that that would get everything in the rotation ultimately that it's in now throughout the solar system exactly and it's got it it's got an interesting wobble and it comes in uh counterclockwise rather than clockwise so something happened to catapult it out and actually in the sumerian tablets it talks about Earth and Nibiru and how they were literally once the same planet. And there was an explosion that happened, I think it's around 5 billion years ago, that um, that exploded Nibiru off of Earth. So the whole panspermia idea of, you know, of, um, of DNA mm -hmm. transferring from one, you know, from one planet to another planet is real. If you think that these two planets were the same, got smashed into by some other planet, um, and then flew out into, you know, into past, past uh, Pluto, but still comes in because it's being held in a gravitational force mm -hmm. within our sun system. So it still has to come in every 3,600 years. And when it comes in, it causes a lot of commotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe that. <laughs> Between right. Mars and Jupiter. And honestly, I think it's coming in back in 900 years, right around there. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, it's 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 on its way back. Well, I hope I'm not still here when that happens. You know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> boy, it hurts enough to be 60, you know. <laughs> I get <I'm> you. <laughs> David? So I guess my, my, our next question would be, uh, when did you start all this research and what was the inspiration for it? You know, uh, when I was younger, my two brothers, I should say younger, when I was in my 20s, my two brothers uh, told me that they saw UFOs. Wow. My older brother uh, told me he saw a UFO in 1982, and he told me it was a 400-foot long triangular UFO, three lights underneath. Hmm. He was on Highway 684. You might, not, you might you know this highway ship uh 684 in, in in westchester and he pulled over to the side all the cars pulled over pointing to it they saw it it was basically in the clouds making no noise very slow uh and just just floating floating in the sky and it's just so happened to have been floating over a nuclear power plant wow in scarsdale new uh york uh, which is now shutting down, actually. I what think it's called really? Indian Point. Yeah, yeah, it was called Indian Point for years. It was, 
you know, it was create it was the source of water and electricity for many many years. Yeah. And then uh, and then uh, people were nervous about it because it's nuclear so power. Three mile, three mile Island thing probably right. triggered that. Yeah. Exactly. They're nervous about it. So this this UFO was floating over it. And my brother said that he pulled over and another guy was on the side of the road, the shoulder of the road. And the other guy said to my brother, we're not alone, are we? And my brother said, no, we are not. Mm. Um, and my brother told me that story. And um, it turns out that that UFO was the Hudson Valley UFO, <laughs> which is written about in several books. And uh, 7,000 people, 7,000 people called in three days to the New York police to uh, to say that they saw something, oh. and it, and you know thinking about the shape of it and the the, the, the lights on the bottom, it, to me it must have been the same UFO or similar UFO to the Phoenix mm-hmm. lights, because yeah. it was triangular, you know three lights, um, so to me it must have been similar. Then my younger brother, who's younger than me now, um, was working in the Hamptons. Actually, he was in the film business. And he was working for the director of uh, the for di- the director John Avildsen, who directed all the Rocky films. And so John Avildsen had a house in the Hamptons, and my brother was in the house with John's cook. And he's got a beautiful view. He's in uh, East Hampton, beautiful view of the Atlantic Ocean. And they're looking over the Atlantic Ocean. They see five UFOs hmm. spinning around, changing color. And he said uh, they started to look like they were burning almost like on fire. And he wow. said, you know, as he said that it couldn't have been a meteorite because they were zipping around, uh, but in formation. Um, and he said he, he, they were going low to the water and then going back up. He had no idea what they were doing. He said, but they were definitely UFOs. And I was a skeptic. I'd never seen, and I still have never seen yeah. a UFO. I don't know if you guys have, but I've, I still haven't. I have, yeah. When I was 11, you know. You have. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it it uh, yeah. I'm glad I saw it at that age, though. You know, because you don't really question stuff at 11. <laughs> right, it, it's there. You know, that's my right. My my next door neighbor is my best friend through all of childhood. You know, it was the one most major argument I think we ever had. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we look up and there's and it looks exactly like. And uh, you're a young and compared to me, but you may remember the show Lost in Space. You know, mm-hmm. oh yeah, sure. It looked exactly yeah. like the spaceship from Lost in Space. It had, uh, you know, those uh, colored lights, you know, circulating uh, underneath it, and you know, it was a saucer, and and uh, it stopped our argument dead. I'll tell you. <laughs> 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 so I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it didn't matter anymore. But uh, um, I, uh, and I have to ask you this because you have, you have a very impressive background. You know, and yeah, you thanks. seem to have been an extremely organized young man. Uh, so when you hear these stories from your younger brother and older brother, I imagine you you find books on the subject. Uh, yeah. Maybe like the Sechin book, you know, uh, which was way, way, way ahead of its time. Um, I I guess I should ask you uh, before anything else regarding that. Your your books are really still ahead of their time. Uh, so thank you. Uh, is it? Are you getting flack about it, or does everything seem to be okay? It's hard to tell because there is a mainstream idea about this, you know, including a show that you're going to be on someday in the near future, the new season of Ancient Aliens, you know, kind of brings this into the mainstream now. 
you know, but back in, you know, back when you first heard about this in the 80s, and then when you write the books, you know, between 2014 and I think your third book is yet to come out uh, That's in right. this trilogy, are you getting resistance? No. Uh, awesome. I'm really not. I'm not getting. I'm not getting resistance. I, you know, you get every now and then. You get a. You get someone on on Amazon that doesn't rate it well and says they don't believe in it or it doesn't corroborate with the Bible or, uh, you know, some sometimes super religious folks that don't like it or you know. Some, a lot of times, also, you get people that are not interested really in this topic that say, "Oh, it's hogwash. It's made up. It's mythology," and. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I get. And a lot of times, you know, I'm on planes a lot in my business and I meet a lot of people and I talk to them and I'll be honest with you, more than 50% that I've spoken to, I think believe mm -hmm. that there's definitely extraterrestrial life, UFOs are real, you know, something's up with our prehistory. And the fact that, you know, that really the thing that, that the hook really that got me into this is you know having been a bio major in high school and college is m the missing link you know why we're so we're such good sleuths i think and we're, we're intelligent and we understand things you know the einsteins and the teslas and the people like this and you know these archaeologists and anthropologists are smart too mm, and yeah. you know, the, lucy they found lucy 2.1 million years right. ago you know why can't they find these what's called tra transmutational fossils <clears throat> evidence to yeah. show that we stemmed from Cro-Magnon to Homo sapien. And there's a, there's just, there's a, there's a, there's a big, you know, gap in between Cro-Magnon. It's not Neanderthal, it's Cro-Magnon. Right. cro and, and Homo sapien. Mm -hmm. big and gap. Yeah. big gap. And in my third book, it's interesting, it's interesting you mentioned this, but my third book, which is called Blood Origins, Right, it's going to be called Adam Blood Origins. I'm really going to sort of go for the jugular. Are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and any kind of release date in mind, you know? Uh, definitely next year. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna write it in the winter. I sort of you know hunkered down the winter. I'll write it this winter. I'm 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 about fifty pages in. Nice. Um, and for those of you that like, if you like science and if you like reading about DNA and if you like, uh, you know, science based data then I think you're going to like it mm -hmm. um, because I'm really basically going after there's 223 genes in our genome that have no predecessors, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not from primates, not from anywhere. They just sort of arrive. Mm -hmm. And and I'm going to delve into probably 10 or 12 of these 223 genes. And, and of these 223 genes, I'll cite two that are super important to the missing link. Ah. One is FOXP2, F-O-X-P2. Okay. FOXP2 is a gene that is gives us speech. Wow. So, so right, so primates can't speak, apes can't speak, orangutans can't speak. Timmy will we tell you, I got way too much FOXP2. <laughs> 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 gotta turn that part down, right? Way too much, yeah. Right. We know. <laughs> <laughs> So you got FOXP2, right? And, you know, uh, it happens to be a two-molecule difference in this genome from, from primates. And there's evidence of a SNP, a SNP between one chromosome and another chromosome 
that's not the same width. You know how a, how a, how a, a gene you know looks like a ladder, a spiral ladder, yep, and the like sides that. of the ladder are certain. Looks like almost a tubular ladder, but this snip was different. This snip had a little bit of a zigzag to it. Looked like oh. a Z, wow. right? So it looked like a patch job. It looked like a tweak, a tweezering, a snip, and a tweezering. Putting in essentially Fox P two. Wow. So it was wow. added, huh. right? And then wow. there's another one. There's another one called MYH16, and MYH16 is um, is the basis of it is cranial development, okay. right? So um, it in, it increases the size of the skull, uh, and it reduces the size of the jaw, because you know the primates would have an oversized jaw, mm-hmm. sticking out, big brows. Not a small skull, but a smaller skull than we have. If you notice, our skulls are getting bigger and more out, like Nefertiti, like the Egyptians. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Who well, were on Unani and had too. big brains. Yeah. Right. You, you guys have seen the skulls in Peru, and we have. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, those yeah. skulls are real. They're not fake. No, no, I've seen them. Actually, there was an episode recently uh, where they had one analyzed, and somebody said that it. Uh, they found some DNA from it that originated in Scotland. <laughs> and it was in Peru. Yeah, right? It's like, boy, these Europeans are everywhere, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how'd they get there? How'd they get there? You know, and <laughs> that's so, another fascinating thing. Yeah, ahead. and so, like, you know, these that's sort of, um, to me, that's sort of the smoking gun of how, you know, what the missing link was. And so if the missing link is in, in, in my thesis and, and Sitchin's thesis and um, several other authors that talk about the scientific approach, not Von Daniken. Von Daniken's more sort of the UFO and, right. and the, yes, mythology and Anunnaki and that type of thing. But Sitchin and, and myself and, and a few other authors that focus on the science um, of the missing link, I think, are... I uh, hopefully going to be regarded as the most important because you know we're connecting humans to Anunnaki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know about you, Tim. I sucked in biology, right? <laughs> but yeah, when too. I was at uh, our alma mater, early on, the University <laughs> of Miami, yeah, I, t- I took a bio course and I did a paper on on viroids, which are plant viruses, right? And it saved me from failing the class, you know. <laughs> but but the fascinating thing was these things are like a thousand times smaller than a bacteria, you know. And they are uh, geometric in shape. I mean, it's just fascinating to to see how these really tiny, tiny things operate. And so it can break the wall of a bacterial cell and then eventually kind of amend that bacteria so when it uh, it goes to the bathroom, its waste products are, are in essence poisonous uh, to whatever body they're inhibiting or even the bacterium itself. Um, and things that function so tiny, and I mean, we're talking about a missing link where we're thinking about how we can go from particles to atoms to molecules <laughs> uh, to intelligence, you know. Um, but, but if you watch how even small, really small, uh, bacterium, uh, you know, uh, how intelligent they are. I mean, they'll, they'll outlast us, I think they'll, uh, you know, 
But you talk about panspermia, you know, we're looking at the origins of different viruses, how they can actually exist in space, you know, uh, yeah, if, if they're right. terrestrial. Yeah, and, and uh, boy, and it really gets you thinking about, you know, the, uh, just how intelligent these really super, super small things are. Uh, yeah. Well, it's so, incredible. D you know, DNA itself is incredible. D you know, DNA is, um, you know, can hold something in the range of one trillion times more than a microchip, wow. you know, information. Um, and DNA is considered almost like a, uh, a fiber optic cable. Mm -hmm. uh, and it reacts very interestingly to light. Light is almost the uh, um, light. The sun, the DNA would react to light um, in, in a way where it's like turned on. Right. And it, it all becomes like a cable that's going to transmit either, you know, electrical, electromagnetic information um, across long, long distances. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, it's incredible. And, and I think in my third book, I'm going to really delve into DNA and light as it relates to light. Wow. And, um, you know, why, you know, they talk about light all the time, you know, mm -hmm. in our Old and New Testament, the light, mm -hmm. go to the light, yeah. you know, heaven's the light. Why light, you know, and light really creates life. And right. it's because it turns DNA on. Yeah. Well, we've seen uh, studies of some uh, bacterium in extreme conditions, like extremely cold conditions. You know, to think about if, if Mars is 360 below zero on a good day, you know, is there anything that could even kind of get near to replicating that sort of situation on this planet where we could study? And we've seen that these these organisms would actually just hibernate, you know, or stay in, in uh, what is it, uh, what is that, animation, solid animation or whatever, until the light comes <laughs> Or until it gets right. warmer, and then and then it just reawakens like nothing happened. Suspended animation. Right. That's what I'm thinking yeah. about. No, it's crazy. And then you know they talk about. Uh, have you heard about monoatomic gold? Yes. Mm, yes. yes. We, 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 we were talking about, about that, that here, as a matter of fact. Yeah. yeah we, Jim Mars, you? the late Jim yeah. Mars, used to talk about it, and I always fascinated me. I know people who believe that they have it, you know, uh, but it's like uh, you know uh, spiritual masters. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people believe they have that capability, and we question it sometimes, and other times not, you know. Chip, we were just talking about that a few weeks ago when we mm -hmm. when we when I first scheduled Lee on for the show. We, we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Monotonic yeah. gold. Yeah, I think it's a very, very interesting element. Yeah, right. Uh, and needs to be studied uh, really in a major does. way. Because yeah. I because I've, I've read the Sumerian tablets basically talk about monotonic gold not only being manna, Right, the monoatomic gold having been the the main um, ingredients for manna when huh. the Jews were um, had left Egypt and were going through the desert for forty years, they were eating manna. Right, and manna um, was basically a cake-like substance um, that was made from part majority out of monoatomic gold. Um, there's also, believe it or not, there's residue of monoatomic gold on top of um, Mount Sinai, huh. they found, yeah, residue of, of, as if, you know, Enlil had met Moses there, seriously, yeah. and made bread, wow. or broke bread. It's just such an interesting 
possible theory that if it's all true, and I believe it is, mm-hmm. that you know Enlil was human, flew his UFO up, burning bush, top of uh, you know uh, you know the mountain. Moses goes up there, sees him. Um, there's radiation from the UFO, which turns Moses's hair to white or gray. He comes down from it right after having been. He has a very rosy face, as if he was radiated. Um, and residue of monoatomic gold found there is incredible. It's just incredible information. There. Well, what, what is it doing there? You know, how did it get right. there? Yeah. So I think it's it's incredible and. And if it's true that what the Sumerian tablets say, that monoatomic gold, that white light can repair DNA, mm-hmm. if that's true, then that could be, that element could be the source of immortality. Because mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah. when, when we're involved with the paranormal, we tell earthbound spirits to go to the light. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. probably is probably a valid reason for that. Yeah, it seems to be uh, about like, I want to ask you a weird kind of related question to all this, because you mentioned mana when you talk about monoatomic gold and Sumerian tablets. You know, we've been working with some people lately. We, we do talk to a lot of people who are uh, in the industry, if you will, uh, ufologists or um, uh, non-terrestrial contact communication um, that are talking about uh, they're trying to find ways to picture or paint consciousness as an energy form in ways that would either fit into the standard model or at least get some form of an acceptance. And it's hard to push the theory about it being matter or energy, but if it's a subtle force, like torsion energy, for example, you know, bacterium grow in a spiral, uh, plants too, you see a lot of um, the birthing activity of these very small uh, life elements. Uh, spiraling. So this spiral energy could have a kind of a, a slight force on energy or matter and may allow like non-local things <laughs> uh, to appear locally. <clears throat> and and if that's the case, then it could be easy to imagine consciousness being as universal as light is, you know, or even being able to transmit faster than light. And help the yes. process of mana, mana along. Just your thoughts on that. I'm mean, calls for speculation because you, you're smarter than we are. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. But thank you, thank you. I'm not really. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of what that, what that, uh, what it's called. That's fa- three times faster than the speed of light. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Oh, but. Wow. Tesla was talking about it a lot in his papers, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it, 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 it almost worked in a, in a linear fashion to light, but it, um, it, it was not inhibited by gravity or curvature. Mm-hmm. So it's, it performed faster and, and you know transmitted energy faster than light. Just trying to think of the name of it. Yeah. Well, while you're thinking about that, we uh, talked to <clears throat> people that work with the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation. He was the sixth man to walk the moon when he was uh, rotating around the moon. He did one of those ESP tests, you know. Long story short, he basically proved, you know, because he's 
it's uh, in light speed, takes 30 seconds from Houston to transmit to this ship and back, but they're doing the thing with the cards, you know, one's a star, one's the uh, squirrely waves, one's the circle, you know, and uh, the base would read to uh, Dr. Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell would know the answer before he even got the transmission and basically proved, in a sense, that telepathy was faster than light. Consciousness information, at least in, in a, he came back a changed man, you know, six man to walk the moon. I think they all did, you know. Uh, yeah. But he kind of, the change in him, I think, set him out to try to prove this type of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Because he thought that, you know, consciousness could spread across the universe, you know, like light, mm -hmm. but faster. Because uh, non-terrestrial contact is often via telepathic methods. Right. Know? And you hear about these uh, contactee stories almost always. Mm -hmm. It's uh, telepathic. So how yeah. are we to understand something? We got to what two hundred and sixty languages here <laughs> on this planet yeah. alone. <laughs> so I, you know, all I, these. I remember the name. I remember the name. Cool. It's called the ether. Oh, the ether. Yeah. So okay. The yeah. ether. Yep. So the ether is probably the substance that, <clears throat> and almost like the cable that can that can transmit light faster than mm -hmm. the light itself. Mm -hmm. So yes. So the the ether, the ether, right? Exactly that. But. You know, I believe I believe that I believe the, uh, in, in telepathy. I think that that is our next step. You know, we're in we're in right now with the third, what's called the third density, mm -hmm. and at, I believe in 2012 we sort of moved into or moving into okay. the fourth density. <laughs> and if that's true, then yeah, then telepathy's right around the corner. Yeah. You know, uh, listen, I, I I definitely think I have ESP. I I know a lot of times my wife, my children, what they're gonna say to me or thinking that <laughs> i'll say something you guys probably same deal you know yep. thinking of what they're saying and you know n knowing sort of where it's going have being able to and honestly i think that i think that we can receive and transmit information telepathically uh if we use it and i think i think uh, a lot of humans use it more than others and they're and they're almost like a basketball player you know they're they've shot that foul shot a thousand times and they know now how to shoot it mm -hmm. you know it's <laughs> just, yeah. just like anything else yeah. yeah i've even found myself finishing people's sentences when i'm talking to them mm -hmm. I mean, it's yeah. Just... yeah 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 my wife and i can sit in the same room and have a conversation without saying a word you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> we know exactly where the other one's gone you know it's kind of like that and, and it's a beautiful thing and i i, I found you know uh, especially when we're talking non-terrestrial contact, even though we're going just a wee bit off uh, the, the subject here, uh, is, yeah, it's almost always telepathic, but it happens to people that are very logically minded. You know, they seem to be the ones that, that actually uh, become the most changed <laughs> because now they have to see the whole world from a more spiritual-minded place, you know, kind of a left-brain, right-brain type of thing. Uh, yeah. And it's more fascinating when it catches hold of them because they're scientists or engineers or physicists and, and can try to figure this out better than a little schlubby guy like me who just likes to talk, you know? <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> but yeah, the exactly. thing that stumps them more than even telepathy is remote viewing, you know? I think that's unbelievable. I know we've been, we've, we've been working with that since, the, what, the 50s and 60s? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But and... They have no explanation for that. That's what stops them in their tracks. 
it's easy for them to dismiss the SP if they want to. But the remote viewing thing, they can't let they go can't of. I've seen much. that change more minds, I think, you know, toward this whole uh, mana thing, ether, consciousness uh, as an energy form, torsion energy, uh, than anything else. Kind of surprised me. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit off base, but... Uh, yeah, I, I remember... I remember reading about one guy that the CIA was that had hired basically to do remote viewing, right, on, on Mars and the Moon and Jupiter, and right. And he was seeing the, he saw the monoliths on Mars and he saw monoliths on the Moon, mm -hmm. and he reported back to the CIA, you know, or maybe the NSA, what he saw. And people are saying, you know, that he's he, the guy was pretty much spot on. <laughs> I, yeah. They're saying it very carefully, though. <laughs> yeah. Because that kind of information has a way to catching up to them. You know? Yes. Yes. You got to be careful. Yeah, you do. But um, so, yeah, so that's how that's how I sort of got into reading about us and about, you know, UFOs and about pyramids and about all these things. And, um, I, you know, I just fell in love with it. I just thought that it's it's the biggest secret, in my opinion that's been untold for thousands and thousands of years. And I think that the, you know, the powers that be, the Bilderbergs, the Trilaterals, Council of Foreign Relations, the most powerful men in the world know it because they've known it since the Sumerian tablets have been translated. And the Vatican knows it. And, you know, they know. Yeah, do you think the president has information on that as well? You know, it's interesting you say that. You'd think the president would. I've read somewhere that every five years, yeah. every five years, the president, whoever the president is, is, um, is, uh, is, is updated mm. on aliens and UFOs and, and all of this. I don't know about if, uh, if, if uh, the missing link is involved in it, but they talk about UFOs and aliens being real uh, and being here and not being a threat initially. Uh, but being able to obviously shut down nuclear reactors, do some crazy things, and you know to be aware that the aliens are are there. And then I I, re I read also about the aliens being in f total control over humans. Mm -hmm. You know, say it's the Anunnaki, say it's even reptilians, or uh, and 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 if there's any truth to us, quote unquote, working with extraterrestrials. You know, whether it be in Dulce, New Mexico, or Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, or Area 51. You know, if in fact, if, and that's a big if, mm -hmm. uh, humans are working with aliens, then then they will, they well, I think they will know, you know, our position sort of in the pyramid of the galaxy, where we stand, where humans are. And my opinion really is that I think that it's is that Earth is a very special place. I think our resources are unique. Um, I think that um, humans have developed very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I think that um, you know blowing up the atomic bomb in the forties really caused a stir mm -hmm. among you yeah. know. That's where we started to get sightings. Yeah, right around that. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden now you have Roswell. Mm -hmm. Landing in forty-seven, oh. something else in forty-five. So that you know, all of a sudden, you know, we have visitors checking us out because 
you know, you mentioned the DNA and frequency, and I think everything is vibration. Mm-hmm. Oh, I it, absolutely agree. Right? I mean, it's, you know, but when the, you when you blow something up, people in the next, you know, town well, will know. Yeah, but I think it, uh, it seems, and some of the people that we've talked to that um, are uh, familiar with encounters and communication and contact, if you will, uh, that, are, that are out there with it. That seem at least credible to us, you know. We've been right. been in this industry for like forty years, you know. Uh, but but it it uh, just seems like the uh, it's not just if it destroys the next town if we use some sort of nuclear armament, but it rips a hole in the universe. I mean, right. there, it goes beyond dimensions that we're not even our physics hasn't even caught up with. That uh, you know other. Uh, non-trustless, you know, from from other uh, planets or galaxies or whatever, could still feel the impact of. Right. You look at uh, ancient Eastern civilizations. There's evidence of, uh, you know, they found very very old skeletons, you know, dating back thousands and thousands of years that look like they died from something radioactive, and hence right. the stories about Shiva and you know with the flaming arrow and and all these other. You know, types of things in, in all sorts of different color uh, uh, cultures. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and it, Afghanistan. It mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the right. There, 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 there was a site, and I forgot the name of it in, in Afghanistan. That's that's uh, I think a hundred eighty to a hundred thousand years old with human remains. Right. So obviously, some blast happened there. Yeah. You know, to kill the the women and children holding their children. As they're getting uh, irradiated and they're getting turned into dust, you know, I believe Sodom and Gomorrah was a nuclear blast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Uh you know, you know, the turning around and turning into a pillar of salt, I think is is uh, it just it just sort of a you know a a physical imagery of of a of a nuclear blast. And by the way, it's interesting to to denote that salt in Hebrew. Is vapor. Mm. Oh, wow! So when they say turning into a pillar of salt, it the Hebrew translation is actually uh, vaporized. Wow! Huh. Yeah, it, yeah. And if you look back at because um, we had some friends, we got uh, Thomas Fusco comes in. He's got this uh, great idea that uh, super geometric theory kind of explains all sorts of. Uh, it's kind of a, a one-stop answer for everything. <laughs> yeah. But but when he when he reads the text, when he goes back to the book of Genesis, let's say, he will take into consideration, which I always appreciate, the culture and the language of that time period. You know, it's been translated multiple times over and always loses something in the translation. But even with that said, there were superstitions in that time, in that day and age, that are so far <laughs> from our. You look at people in the 1960s as compared to now, and it's like a whole different culture, a whole different world. You could, you know, say things or do things in the course of one sentence that would completely offend each other. You know, yeah. so you Absolutely. can imagine 2,000 years ago where they thought their happiness or their anger wasn't even theirs. It was some sort of spiritual possession. You know, controlling these Our things. Films, they yeah. they weren't even your own thing. Or storms, or tornadoes, or hurricanes, or uh, meteorites crashing. How would they explain these types of things? Or, you know, uh, ancient uh, 
ancient alien theory, you know? Uh, how would they explain some sort of craft if they saw that? Yeah, exactly. I have a whole chapter in my first book, Adam Alien, a whole chapter on vitrification, right? And mm -hmm. so I talk about vitrification and what it is, right? And I, and I show evidence of vitrification, you know, in the form of mounds in, 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 in Israel and in the form of, uh, of glass shards that are found in Africa and um, could only have been made by uh, extreme nuclear temperatures. Yeah, that's extreme right. Extreme temperature difference. Sorry. Extreme wow. temperature differences. So, and it wasn't the volcano and it wasn't the meteorite. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, and it's got, you know, it's got elements of uranium-115. And it 115 comes from nuclear fission. Right. So there's no other way, you know, that this, this mound could have been literally sliced off like you slice off a cake with a, with a machete. There's no way that, that this land could have been sliced like that if it wasn't a, a nuclear explosion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've heard some very interesting alternative uh, explanations for some of the, the the pyramids or those mounds, you know, being so flush and everything, where they mm -hmm. see the, you know, and again, it goes back to ancient cultures and ancient civilizations, indigenous peoples, or sometimes uh, some of these contact stories that people actually get some information from. The Denisovans. You know? Yeah, the Den Den Denisovans, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's uh, Andrew Collins, who's on, on, on Ancient Aliens, and uh, Dr. Gregory L. Little, who we just had here recently, okay, uh, talking yeah. about the Denisovans 17,000 years ago in uh, Siberia, uh, an area of si Siberia, where they found evidence of a culture that had, uh, again, rather large craniums, kind of in that Nefertiti sense, if you will, but also evidence of jewelry with very rare uh, gems and stones, uh, or these sky rock minerals that they had that they, you know, ge geologists have absolutely no uh, explanation for, you know, uh, some of the molecular uh, structure or makeup of these sky stones. And, and obviously, with the jewelry itself, implied the use of tools, which was maybe some 5,000 years ahead of its time, you know. We, we often uh, not given credit for our intelligence when we were, you know, <laughs> 3,000 years ago or whatever. You know? More intelligent. <laughs> yeah, right? They were more yeah. intelligent than we well, were. Well, less distractions, yeah, I, you know, a better understanding of our, the elements and the system. But they think yeah. that the, the rocks are alive. I mean, they're living things. And, and there were these uh, advanced civilizations, perhaps non-terrestrial, that could speak to the rock to instruct the rock or had a really good understanding of uh, geomagnetic structure and how mm -hmm. their consciousness can almost instruct this or use magnetism somehow in the right area of some sort of energy vortex to do things <laughs> that, you know, that don't require heavy lifting or something. You know, they use, they understood these magnetic forces that they had right in front of them. Because they didn't have cell phones and uh, artificial light, right. indoor heating and plumbing and, you know, stuff. And, and they used their minds all the time. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I, we thank you for, you know, uh, helping these uh, civilizations of old, if you will, uh, look smarter. Mm -hmm. 
appreciate that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I'll leader. tell you, it's, you, know, you, you look back and, you know, you look back and he's, you know, the Einsteins and the Teslas and the uh, Aristotles and, you know, people like that. And you say these people must have more <laughs> Anunnaki DNA than we do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, yeah. that, or are tapping more into the DNA than we are, yeah. you know, to be able to figure out, you know, unif- unified theory or to figure out, um, you know, AC current, you know, all of these, all of these ideas that, you know, a normal human that just doesn't come up with, they think, you know, mm-hmm. one plus one equals two, and then they get a little bit interesting and then they start doing multiplication. You know, these guys are doing trigonometry, mm-hmm. algebra, sure. and they're doing it easily, you know? Right. Yeah. And, so, and still, I mean, we're still proving Einstein right now, almost a hundred years later, a little more than a hundred now, yeah. I think. Uh, and just today they had some uh, article about, uh, they found a star that is rotating around Sagittarius A star in the center of the black hole in the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Uh, and the way it's losing its light to this uh, black hole backs up Einstein's theory of black, <laughs> black hole Yeah, it's radiation. incredible. And, the, you know, Einstein-Rosenbridge, you know, the vortex. Right. Oh, Timmy loves those, man. Yeah, he's a wormhole yeah. guy if there yeah. ever was one. Oh, yeah. I'd lo- I'd love to learn more about worm wormholes. I think they're just extraordinarily interesting. Yeah, Thomas mm-hmm. Fusco is excellent about quantum physics, quantum mechanics. He he talks about the Einstein Rosa bridge in his book, and yeah. his, his his theory behind the, uh, supergeometric theory and and wormholes. So yeah, it's very interesting. But even even he says that the, you know they're very hard to maintain if you can get one in the first place. It's you hard need to get some one sort of negative stable. energy. Yeah, in, in order to keep it stable. Right. So yeah, it's it's well, you know, but I mean, yeah, fascinating stuff. Fascinating <laughs> but, stuff. But uh, uh, Plato, Aristotle, you mentioned Democrates from 350 BC. Right. Uh, knew what an atom was, except he, and this was, you know, <laughs> right. Like I should say Newton years. too. I forgot Newton. Yeah, Newton too. But I mean, this was what 1600 years prior to Newton. You know, no, 1900 right. years prior, almost 2000. But he drew them out geometrically, but he understood what they were in 350 B.C. And that's just Western civilization. Eastern civilization say, oh, yeah, that's nothing. We figured that out 5,000 years ago. (laughs) But uh, it's just amazing, you know, and it disheartens us to see how uh, there are a lot of shows about ancient civilizations uh, that make us look like uh, idiots, you know. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why I take such offense to that, but it's kind of ground into me, you know. So, and Timmy too, I think, you know. So, so yeah. Didn't we, weren't we talking about a few weeks ago before Leon come on about this rare blood and that's in some some humans or something? Rh negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Rh negative has it's a actually you, Leon, that to talking about this. Yeah, uh, yeah. hazel eyes. Yeah. Uh, green eyes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, negative antigen uh, blood. Uh, that's right. Rh- are three common uh, denominators to abductions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. I don't know why in this one particular area of Spain, I think it's called the Pyrenees, and there's a group. There's a group of a, a group of humans. I, I forgot their name, uh, but but it's a but you know they speak a different dialect. It's like a different dialect than Spanish, mm-hmm. and that eighty percent of them 
have arch negative blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And like, where did they come from? You know, arch negative doesn't come from primate. Right. So, you know, again, that's another thing that's I, I'm probably talking about in my book, RH negative. It's also yeah. very interesting that, you know, in the, um, the original Old Testament, you know, when they had, when they would carry the ark and they would set the ark and then they would make a tent around the ark. And there were the three, the three different uh, sects of the, of the Hebrews. You know, you had the, you had the, the regular Hebrews, you had the Kohens, and you had uh, the Levis, Levi's, right? Right. And the Levi's were, or I'm sorry, the Kohens, Kohens, were the ones who would prepare the ark, right, mm-hmm. for God's transmission through the ark to the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Well, believe it or not, these Kohens' blood was RH negative. Wow. Oh, that, wow. <laughs> and you want to get even deeper? Sure. Let's go. If, if the ark was an electrical device, which I believe it was, mm-hmm. um, right, with a capacitor and, and positive and negative energy um, and capable of transmitting the voice of, say, Enlil to the Hebrews um, and also could, in fact, act as a weapon um, and, and emit... Uh, an electromagnetic pulse beam, um, and p- to be used as a as a as uh, you know defense or offense, however you want to want to look at it. Um, and the fact that a regular Hebrew would come up to it, say, at at the wrong time and be mm-hmm. electrocuted and killed, yeah. Yeah. but the Kohens would not right. be killed. So is that because? Uh, this electrical current did not offset, uh, you know, the blood. DNA of an RH RH negative wow. human, and it's just like it's sort of like a like a cork on a wine bottle where you know this electricity could be corked and not, you know, used used to kill. And um, I thought it's so interesting that, you know, Enlil instructed these particular Kohens to use and manipulate. Um, this device, um, and only them to quote unquote, prepare it for God's word. Right. And they'd carry, you know, with the wood, they'd carry it. And if you look at it, it looks like it looks like an electrical, it looks like a electrical capacity, a a battery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, now that you mention it, yeah. And, um, I, I, matter of fact, I, I read a book about it at one point. I don't know who wrote it, but that, you know, basically talked about it as being an, uh, an electrical, device and i think it's true i think it was mm-hmm. yeah some some people actually alluded to it possibly being radioactive you know and and so there were some people perhaps like these cohen's with the propensity to withstand uh such levels of radiation for some right. reason maybe because of that but right. the electromagnetic pulse makes just as much if not more sense than a, a radioactive you know kind of uh, pulse would uh, right, because it it still would overwhelm the body, you know, to a, a point where those who aren't supposed to be approaching uh, this arc uh, would pay uh, pay a significant price for it. That's right. Here we go. And then you know we we didn't really get into the pyramids, but I, I one of the other reasons why I sort of got into this topic and this this um, thesis is is the pyramids. Just looking at the pyramids. And saying to myself, you know, they're not tombs, 
They never have been tombs. And all the Egyptologists that get on television and say that they're tombs, it's just nonsense. Yeah, well, didn't they have some sort of chemical structure that was thousands of years more complicated than uh, our understanding? You know, I know that water flowed through them, but there was some other elements that were supposed to, or, or, um, yeah, elements, I guess, that were supposed to, uh, it's not just the water, but the way it flowed and what it flowed up against or met with that would actually energize this. uh, Yeah. I mean, there's 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 so much information about the, the you know the pyramids. Obviously, the, the the Great Pyramid you know is in the center of the Earth's landmass. I'm sure you've heard this, mm-hmm. right? It's literally at yep. the center. If you looked at if you were in a satellite and you looked down into Earth, uh, Giza, this Great Pyramid is in the exact center of, of the Earth's landmass. Um, it's oriented exactly according to the four points of the compass: north, east, south, west. Um, the three pyramids of Giza form a Pythagorean triangle <laughs> um, yeah. the base of the pyramid equals 365 yards mm-hmm. right and by the way the, the 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 distance between you know the 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 base is exact up to two centimeters so there's no way that you know uh, slaves could have put these stones in the exact center of the earth's landmass mm-hmm. um and within two centimeters of of being off mm-hmm. um the, the distance between the Great Pyramid and the North Pole is equal to the distance between the Great Pyramid and the center of the Earth. Wow. That is just an incredible point. Yeah, I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, I mean, that's crazy. And then you had these, I'll tell you something else. You had these two guys that studied the pyramids, and I read both their books. Christopher Dunn, who I met at a UFO conference about oh, two years ago nice. from Chicago, electrical engineer. And John Cadman, another, uh, um, I think he was a, a me- mechanical engineer. And Christopher Dunn basically spent three weeks with the pyramids. And he, ca- he spent time in the, in the king's chamber and the queen's chamber. And he deciphered basically the fact that the, uh, determined that, that the pyramids were a piezoelectrical device. Mm-hmm. That it was using granite, right, quartz that's from granite. Mm-hmm. To conduct electricity and enhance the electricity to form power, um, he there was the remnants of hydrochloric acid in both the king's and the queen's chambers, um, and he basically maintained that it was a it was a production of hydrogen fuel um, and uh, sound. It was able to uh, he was using you if you oh, walk into a, the great. Yeah, you think about sound. I mean, that's that's for the, you know they they found some areas in these mountains in Russia that it killed a bunch of uh, scientists and geologists that went to this area. It was some place you weren't supposed to go, and ultimately they found it was uh, infrasound. You know, <laughs> something that we can't hear but has a profound effect on our bodies. You know, I mean, we don't think of these things because we have such a limited range. Uh, you know, what we can see and what we can hear in, in waves and things. And they had, I'm just pointing that out because they had that different interest you know, back then in ancient times. So. It, it was, it's cra- crazy. And, right. you know, and then Cadman was talking about the pyramids being a water pump. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and creating, uh, you know, salt, iron, and, and even gold. So 
you know, you have two engineers coming in and studying the pyramid and saying, okay, this obviously is a conductor of power and an emitter of power. And it was, it was used for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. They seem to find some sort of evidence that, that at least led us to believe that they had an understanding of batteries, you know, yeah. back then. Yeah. And you know about this, the Baghdad battery, right? You know about mm. that? Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Fueled by grapefruit juice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who would think? Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. I, I, I feel like such an idiot just thinking about it without my wife having to tell me I am. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they were a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, I've got a really good picture in my in Adam Alien about the Baalbek megalith, that huge megalith mm-hmm. that I was talking about. There's a guy sitting on it. He looks like a little munchkin, like a puny. Okay. Compared to it, and it's 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 uh, falling into like a pit, and you can see how perfect it is, and uh, obviously this was a this was a you know a landing base. Uh, you have the Saqqara bird, you know the bird that um, Giorgio wears. Right. That's amazingly interesting. Looks just like the space shuttle, huh. right? I think that's, that's crazy. True. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. Um, you've got you know the Dropa discs. Have you heard about those? Mm-hmm. The Dropa discs, there's uh, the discs that basically are like CD-ROMs, almost. <laughs> Made out of stone. Um, Gobekli Tepe, you know, which is... Oh, and they're still finding out stuff. about. In- Actually, uh, yeah, Andrew Collins will be back here, I think, at the end of the next month, Tim? Yeah, actually... Uh, um, August 26th or something? Andrew will be back. Uh, yeah, the 26th. 26th of yeah. September, September 26th. Oh, September. All right. yes. Yeah, because he talks about Gobekli Tepe, but they keep finding things. I mean, you know, they're, right. uh, I mean, it's it's like a gift that keeps on giving. And yeah. the, the more they find it, I don't know, at first, the more confused they get and then the more astonished they become, you know. Right. Because it's, it's 100%. A, yeah. And it's, uh, it's crazy. It be- I talk about Nazca, the Nazca lines, which I still think is obviously had to have been made from the sky. Right. Uh, the Piri Reese map, you know about that with Antarctica, showing Antarctica. Mm. So, I mean, all of these things I sort of put together in a sort of physical evidence of, of ETs. I, I make a sort of a almost as if it were a legal brief. Right. You know, here's, you, your, here's your proof. And, and you talk also, about right. in your book, Leon, that we're, um, that the, uh, UFO aliens are our ancestors. Talk about that in your book as well. Yeah, uh, I think, um, listen, I think there are many different types of aliens. I think I've read in NSA documents that there was 50, we know of 57 different species mm-hmm. of, of aliens. If that's true, and aliens, and in my new book, in my, set, my, my new book, the book that I have released, Adam Decoded, uh, from 2018, I talk about the different types of aliens uh, in it, and and the different types of aliens. Basically, uh, you know, you, you know them well: the grays, right. uh, the small grays, and the tall grays, and they, they they're very very different from each other. Um, I talk about the um, uh, I talk about the blonde aliens, the Nordics, the Nordics, yeah. the Nordics yeah. uh, reptilians. Um, so you know, I, I talk about just the different types and. Uh, it's it's my belief, obviously, that we that we are from Anunnaki, which are human, 
Um, The Nordics are also human. uh, And I believe that the Nordics, if true, you know, met with Truman, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And their voice was peace. You know, please Mm -hmm. don't create nuclear energy, etc. It's mess. It would mess us up. But I understand that we got nothing in return for not using nukes from them. Whereas the Greys were smart. And the Greys said, okay, we'll give you all this technology, microchip, blah, blah, blah. We'll give you all these technology, anti-gravity. You can have it. But, you know, I need to kidnap. (laughs) Yeah, right. uh, You know, cows and humans. Me giving a cell phone to my infant daughter when she's six months old and said, go ahead, figure this out. You know? <laughs> In the right. meantime, I'm going to steal people. <laughs> right. And we'll give you, oh, and oh, by the way, we'll give you a list of all the people we're abducting. Oh, please. <laughs> I mean, come on. You're going to give me a list? But the, the interesting and, thing, though, is in different, uh, different countries, different cultures, um, similar stories. You know, including the governments. I mean, but some are, are much more vocal about, you know, in Russia, uh, the Koreas, they're much more vocal about it than we are here. We seem to, you know, even the Canadian yeah. uh, former defense minister actually right. said something in a session of parliament a few years back, you he know. Um, but it depends on what country you talk to. <laughs> and the, yeah. the, the numbers either go way up or way down. You know, the information is either more out there or less out there, you know, and right. it's interesting to see, much like back in the ancient times, there were pyramid, pyramidal structures, some were just discovering now, where big, yeah. uh, vast uh, magnetic uh, uh, vortexes are, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and it, Earth's I, great. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Earth's again, with the, with the Orion's belt pattern, you know. Yeah. Um, I know it's just it's absolutely incredible. If Orion's belt was the origin, right, of mm-hmm. the Anunnaki, and if the Orions, right, from Orion's belt are sort of the um, the originators in our Milky Way galaxy um, of life, right, then they're sort of they would be the source of everything, and they would be the quote unquote again the godlike, right. Um, position in our world because the Anunnaki would be the sons of them and they would basically essentially be Anu would essentially be a son of an Orion uh, god and so uh, that may be the reason why you know the Dogon tribe right I was just going to bring that see there's that synchronicity yeah Happy birthday to me. Yeah, we have a guest actually coming up. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, tomorrow, but it might as well be today. Uh, we have some, yeah, the trace to these statues in the Sierra Leone mm-hmm. area of Western Africa. But then there was a, a different uh, tribe about 670 kilometers or so, uh, right. more towards Central uh, Africa, that had the very same almost statues talked about Sirius B, which yeah. we didn't even discover until the mid-1800s. You know? Right. Uh, but they had a better understanding of the Orion's Belt than we did, you know, in, in the 17th century. <laughs> right. And, right. And, and they're drawing it in the sand, right? And, you know, we know Sirius A, but we don't know B or C. Right. Right. So they're drawing it in the sand, and people are looking at them like they're crazy, and they're saying, okay, you know, this is where we come from. 
you know, and, and you couldn't see it, you know, even through a telescope, you couldn't see B or C. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and they, and they were, and they were talking about that. So if the Orions landed in Africa, which must have been right, then there are several different species that came here that well, I've created been a, a, a few things, uh, especially recently, it's been out there for a while, but it's come to our attention recently about the Aborigines insisting it's them, that they are the origin of uh, human. They have this area in Australia that is currently completely uninhabitable. Yeah, so it's kind of hard for us to, but, you know, thousands of years ago it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and and the, because there is evidence of these aborigines in ancient Egypt, you know, some of their writing has made, uh, and uh, in, in different parts of uh, southern Africa, central Africa, uh, northern Africa, uh, so that they're kind of, you know, and it's, it, uh, it's kind of a new thing to me, but, you know, I, I like to keep it out there because we do have listeners in Australia. <laughs> All over. Yes, you do. Over. You know, I, it's, anything's possible. I certainly know that their drawings are the oldest, right, in the world, and you depict you know, depict aliens and depict uh, animals, but depict aliens, you know, what, 50 mm -hmm. to 70,000 years ago? Mm -hmm. um, there was a cave, I think there's a cave in France that's right around mm -hmm. 50 or 60,000 years too. Yep. But the aboriginals may in fact have been, um, you know, the original Homo sapien, but I still think the nexus is in, is in South Africa. I still do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe how they got to Australia, I don't know, but... Um, it certainly seems like, you know, when I think about in the uh, Sumerian tablets, they talk about the first humans as being uh, called by the Anunnaki, the black haired ones. Huh. And I think they called us the black, us, the black haired ones, because A, their hair was red and blonde. Hmm. And, and, and our hair was black because of primates. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and we were probably dark skinned, dark pigmented. Uh, skin, not light skinned. Um, and I think, you know, they were very light skinned. If you see pictures of them in Egypt, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, they're very fit. They look very fit, very muscular and very big, but very fair. Sure. And it talks about the Sumerian tablets. It talks about, um, the Anunnaki shielding their eyes from the sun because again, if they're all the way out past Pluto, and their only source of heat is their inner core, right? They had a, a magma on the inner core of their planet, and that's their source of heat. And say say even they had a binary star, star system where they had, besides the sun, they had another star that was giving them some sort of light. It wasn't like our sun right. was, right? Yeah. Because I do know that between gravity and our sun, that they were aging very rapidly huh. and and they didn't like it they were very uncomfortable here it wasn't oh, I like admit, yeah nibiru right and well you, um, ha you have to think that it, it, even if you imagine that you were from uh on the, a different planet in our solar system let's just say our solar system and visited this planet i mean our rotation you know outside of mercury like this you know? right. i mean time here 24 hours a day boom i mean the, 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 you know, so they must have a, a different idea of time, much, much more like physics, you know, has a very different idea of time than this straight arrow thing we humans have. 
So yeah. that must have been a major adjustment for them too, you know. And they, they lived, they lived long, tens of thousands. Sure, much longer. You know, they they could still be alive. I I think they are. I think I, and, and I think they are too. Yeah, I do. Personally. Which is incredible, you know. So, and you know, to think if Enki was the same character that showed up in all the different cultures from Peru to Chile to Mexico to Central America to uh, Scandinavia to all of these different cultures as different names, Quetzalcoatl, you know, all of these different names, but the same guy, this bearded, who could swim, you know, and went in like these submarines and like, you know, did these incredible things. And, you know, I think of, uh, you know, I think of that Greek god with the with the you know, the, what, what is what's the Greek god, the water god, you know, with that oh, Thor. Uh, Odin, uh, Thor, yeah. Oh, Odin was the war. Odin, right? Uh, yeah, but you know, with his with his you know with his oh pulse uh, weapon. Oh, Greek it would be Zeus, yeah. Uh, Zeus, right? There you go. Yeah. No. You know, um, and so you know, I just think of him that representing that. Yeah. You know, and being that same guy that got around everywhere in his UFO and, you know, started all these cultures. Yeah. Thing is, and I'm going to let Timmy get a word in after this. <laughs> That's Timmy, I want to hear from you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It, Timmy. Yeah. Good. Well, I, we could ask you a question. I'm sure Tim knows a lot about stuff that I'd like to know about. Yeah, see, he does, man. Yeah. He's so cool. <laughs> I'm just listening. I'm just, I'm just like in awe over here because it's been waiting so long to, you know, have Leon on the show. So it's, yeah, right. Thank God I'm listening in. Thank you. But you know, between, uh, I don't know, I, I don't like saying this out loud, but structured religion, basically breaking down the history and culture of places through our history. Yeah. And, you know, and the, you know, ancient civilizations that are so deep, we haven't gotten close to excavating, you know, these areas yet to find out this information. I think there's so much more to find you still yeah. that backs up what you're talking about. And it's exciting to think about that. Frustrating and exciting. You know, I just I sometimes I think that, you know, I, I think that first of all, religion is, is, is well past the, the time of the Anunnaki. Um, the Anunnaki left 200 BC. So yes, uh, we had, we had, uh, you know, the Hebrew religion, a Jewish religion starting first and then Christianity in say 70, 80, yeah. right. And then, uh, and then is, is, is Islam. the Islamic Muslim Islam starting in, in 650 or 700 AD. Um, but but the nexus of the Anunnaki and, and the origin of human was prior to religion. Yeah. And a lot because of times when I'm talking to, to people yeah. and, and you know, of different religions and of different, you know, backgrounds, I say, look, it's prior to yeah. any of the, the information that you believe or have mm -hmm. been told, yeah. you know, and it, and it doesn't go against what you want to believe. It doesn't go against believe. Christianity at all. Yeah, but people exactly. people think that Christianity is is the only religion out there, and it doesn't go beyond that. And it, to me, it's a shame because it Christianity is new compared to some of these other religions, and and our you know the nature of our origins, where we came from. It's yeah. it's newer right. than that, you know. 
But it's you know, but it's not just it's them. Waiting. It's wars and and genocide and 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 things of that nature that we destroy the history of these cultures that we yeah. are uh, and, taking and, over. Yeah. And, and but the, speaking of that, oh, go ahead, Tim. And, and there, there were so many books that were taken out of the Bible, and a lot of that information is pretty much gone. You know, it's not even right. listed in there. So, look at the library in Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Right, destroyed. Right, something in the, in the range of eighty-five thousand, ninety thousand documents lost. Mm-hmm. You, what a shame! You know, could you imagine? Reading those documents, what they talked about, um, you know, we, we, we got little snippets of of these theologians, you know, from Egypt and from Greece and from the, the different areas. And these theologians would talk about philosophy, they talk about science, they talk about um, ethics, they talk about, you know, anything that, you know, is so interesting to talk about today that, you know, we just didn't really, we didn't have it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And we lost it because, you know, the ruling classes, the aristocracy, they they want to control everything. They right. want to control information, mm-hmm. and they want to control commerce, and they want to control you. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a real shame because, you know, once and eventually, just just like UFOs, as this thing trickles out, and people start realizing that UFOs are real, aliens are real. Uh, we're not the we're not the you know the center of the of the universe. Um, as a matter of fact, we're a very young, you know, brat kid, yeah, right. <laughs> causing yeah. trouble, you know, in, in kindergarten. Yeah, you know. these yeah, these kids today. What do they know? That's what the <laughs> yeah. uh, non-terrestrials you know, are the saying about us. <laughs> That's smacking the adult and saying, you know, come on, you want to start, you know, like that. <laughs> you, wanna... you know, I think it's just, you know. I think these powerful groups want to control everything, give us nothing, and you know we we just learn the same thing over and over and over again. And quite frankly, you know, worship. I don't know if you guys realize this, but in the Sumerian tablets, the word worship was the word slavery. Mm-hmm. Wow, I did not know just that. like just like you know just like salt and vapor. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Worship was slavery, yeah. and so when they would say use the words, the Hebrews were worshiping, you know, Enlil. Mm-hmm. They basically meant that the Hebrews were slaves of Enlil, yeah. and so sometimes I think, and I've gotten certainly less and less religious over the years. <laughs> Me too, <but> actually. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I you know. Because in my it's, in my new book in in Adam decoded, I, I I have a whole section, a whole chapter to religion, and I talk about the positives of it. You know, the morals and the ethics and the values and the you know goods and bads, and that's great. That's all the good stuff. But there's a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, it, it's and, great when you're young, but when, as you get older, it just seems to be repetitious. It's the same old stuff over and over again, year after year. You know, <laughs> right? You know, so right? And a lot of it doesn't make sense, and you know. Co- it, Certainly, you, you know, you pay to be in a religion, you know, so it's 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 generating in, you know, income. Um, and basically, you know, on, you know, on Sundays you go to church for Jewish. It's Saturday. You know, Muslims, some radical Muslims are very, very into religion. You know, it's it's like you said before, it causes war. Mm-hmm. It causes death in a lot of cases. Fear. And 
Yeah, and it causes separations mm-hmm. of peoples, and it's real and fear, and that's how the ruling class controls us. You know, the the the, the people at the bo- the base of the pyramid. It's it's no, you know, it's no surprise that the dollar bill has the eye at the top, <laughs> and a <an> pyramid. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, that's your caste system for you. You know, there's your caste system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, but I, I, you know, I just. I'm not a big proponent of it lately, and um, I'm my kids are going to, I think, probably less and less than me. Um, and I just, I, I don't know, I, I just think that it's uh, it prohibits rather than enlightens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we just had a guest uh, uh, two days ago, uh, Dr. Gregory L. Little. He's doing a, a book with Andrew Collins now about the Denisovans. But he worked on it, and a lot of times we talk to... People that have some expertise in indigenous cultures, mm-hmm. all right, um, and we've always been kind of, you know, dismissive. Of, oh, primitives, what do they know? But they're smart enough to stay away from everything. <laughs> yeah, and you find out some very interesting stuff. And I just found out something that knocked my socks off. That I think you would find this very cool, because this will make some some very cool sense to you. The the shaman of old, the the, the medicine man, the shaman of old, were described as over seven feet tall, seven yeah. or eight feet tall. Giants. All right. They were buried in a completely different manner uh, than uh, because uh, Dr. Little had this very deep understanding of very their long. understanding of afterlife. You know, um, it, it ties into your soul and how it connects with the elements. Right, and huh. there are three major branches, and you have to do these rituals to bring all these three branches apart. Could be these: the soul, the psyche, and the body, you know, or something to that the effect. Elements. And how they all correlate to the elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the bones would have to be cremated in order to travel, you know, across the galaxy, just like how they in Egypt, the scarab, the dung beetle. <laughs> Follows yeah. the path of the Milky Way, you know. So I mean, you could see all these parallels to these afterlife beliefs and in, in these indigenous tribes and in these uh, 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 primitive, <laughs> yeah, you know, smart enough to stay away from the rest of the uh, type type of you know. But but to hear that the the shaman were always buried in a casket that was impenetrable, all right. Mm-hmm. But they're the only ones, and and. Because it was almost a Dalai Lama-esque belief that that whatever would rise from that energy would create the next shaman. Mm-hmm. Mm. So there is the incarnation element there. Yeah, I mean, Do, I mean, doesn't that doesn't that relate to the the prior conversation about the Kohens, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Being the ca- upper caste, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Who who had this spe- you know special powers basically, mm-hmm. and also extremely tall. I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, that you know, well, you know about all these bones found in the U.S. Right? Yeah, yeah. Ohio, California, <laughs> giants, and you know, and you know who's taking all those bones? No, no. The Smithsonian. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. He did. Gregory did say that on his show on Tuesday. Yeah, huh? Smithsonian has a lot of them. If not, they all take of them. them all. Yeah. You know, again, Smithsonian again is a, uh, you know, is a tool for. <laughs> You yeah. know the the ruling class. Of information. Yeah, yeah, that's right. it. That's yeah. it. So you know they act like the Smithsonian is to science as NASA is to space. Yep. They act like they are disseminating 
and transparent regarding science, mm-hmm. but they're the exact opposite. opposite yeah. And then there are dozens of mounds in Ohio. Dozens. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, we've got people from uh, the energy in Ohio. I mean, you think Westchester County or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, wow. that that what, what was that? What was that snake-like mound in Ohio? Serpent mound. Oh, yeah. Is that serpent mound? What's it called? Serpent mound. Serpent mound, right? Yeah. The shape of DNA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of a double helix type of thing yeah. going on there. Yeah, just amazing stuff. They found cave paintings, I think, in western United States areas of maybe around Utah or something, but they could date back as far as sixty thousand years. And, and it was uh, Native American or earlier that uh, it, it could have even uh, come from somewhere uh, from like Netherlands. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. But you know, in these cave paintings, uh, you know, they have these spacesuit looking kind of drawings. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember seeing that on uh, um, Ancient Aliens. Yeah. That yeah, these 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 very tall uh, with with uh, you know spacesuit helmets, um, looking aliens, which I believe was the truth. I believe even the Anunnaki, uh, the first Anunnaki who came down, uh, sort of on a scout ship from uh, the mothership, which was outside of um, Earth, came down in a scout ship, and it was all swamp, four hundred and forty thousand years ago. And the reason why snakes are so important in the Bible and so talked about and feared is that when this one particular Anunnaki opened his ship, he had landed, I guess, on some ground that withstood him. The first thing he saw were snakes. Mm-hmm. Huh. Exactly. And they don't have any snakes in in Nibiru. <laughs> We've got lots of snakes. They still creep me out. <laughs> <laughs> You and me yeah. both, but just saying, you know. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, we we got about uh, about ten minutes left on the show. I mean, this 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 has been an awesome two hours. Uh, it, it's it's guests like Leon and and Jeff and Gregory and and Andrew Collins that that make this show. It's it's kind of where you know this show stems from, people. Guests like that, like you guys, and it's just, yeah. it's just phenomenal. Uh, it's been a great yeah. two hours. Yeah, it's like out of this world week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think Leon is uh, trying to reconnect with us. And yeah. in the meantime, I just want to mention uh, Adam equals Alien: Unveiling Our True Origins, uh, the first book of the Adam series. I know that you can find it on Amazon.com. It's Leon BB. BB is B I B I, by the way. Leon, L-E-O-N, but uh, BB is B-I-B-I. So you can check out Leon BB, Amazon.com for Adam equals Alien. There he is. And the, the new book, uh, the second in this, this series of three, Adam Decoded, A Brief History of Man's True Origins. Uh, also, both on Kindle and Amazon. Uh, anywhere else, Leon, we can find the books? Uh, pretty much Amazon is the is the main one. Um that's where I, you know, that's where I, I self-published and, and I, you know, wrote through Amazon. So pretty much predominantly on Amazon. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, I'll be getting them. And, and you're working on the, the new book. Uh, you started writing Origins. it already. Yeah. Yeah. Started working on Blood Origins. Um, initially, it'll be out probably 2020, maybe 2021. Wow. Um, 
but I'm going to focus on DNA and uh, the, these 223 genes that, that uh, have, uh, have no precedent uh, in the genome and uh, sort of go for, go for the gusto, go for the real scientific proof that um, there is a missing link and the missing link is, is Anunnaki. Oh, I certainly love that idea. I also think, though, that uh, while you're in the process of writing this third book, there, there'll be more findings that will be so timely to the writing of this book that, yeah. you know, releasing it in 2020 or 2021 might be uh, good for us Great all, time, you know. Yeah. I just have that feeling. I don't know why, <laughs> you know. But Yeah, uh, it's good timing. Yeah, I think, yeah, timing is everything. Uh, but all good things in time, also. Uh, I'll Absolutely. be I'll be grabbing my copy when you, it comes out. I'll tell you, that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one, one other interesting thing that got me interested, and then then we can turn it over to whatever guy whatever you guys want to do is is that Francis Crick, when he cracked the DNA code 1951, noticed uh, between chromosomes 22 and 23. Uh, uh, some sort of a intervention, interventive mechanism. Something happened between 22 and 23. Now, you know, primates have 48 chromosomes. Humans, humans have 46. Mm -hmm. So something happened between two chromosomes, 22 and 23, of humans, which I believe was the insertion of these 223 genes from the Anunnaki and only from the Anunnaki to to tweezer in this value add, let's call it, okay. to, to, to create us from Cro-Magna. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I think it's just fascinating if we could delve into that and look more into you know, what Francis Crick originally found 60, 70 years ago and just expound upon that. And I'm really surprised that scientists haven't already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, so I, yeah, well, I didn't even realize that, that Crick actually noted the difference between 22 and 23 is remarkable. Yeah, remarkable. Wow. Yeah. Remarkable. Wow. Yeah. Can't, you can't beat that. It's like basically, you know, the guy, who, the guy who, who was the first to find DNA noticed a problem. <laughs> and, and this is in the 50s. So I'm really shocked that... In the 60s and 70s, and, and they probably did, you know, sort of in the black. Oh, Leon, I wanted to ask you, um, related to DNA, what, what are your thoughts on people sending their DNA to um, Ancestry.com or where, whatever uh, websites that, you know? I don't, you know, I'm not a big fan. I, I, I think, I just think, look, you know, there's so much surveillance mm -hmm. right now <laughs> in the United States. It's, you know, Obama basically said, you're all being tapped. Right. He basically said that, mm -hmm. right? And which, which we know we are. Our, right. this show right now mm -hmm. is being tapped. Well, we like, being but, but it gives us automatic listenership, though. Yeah, the FCC <laughs> loves <laughs> us, right? We don't mind that, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, that's important. That's all you need, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So if we're being tapped, right, and the U.S. government's pretty much hearing everything that's going on, knowing everything that's going on, Big Brother, you know, Orwellian, you know, mentalities happening. I think the the benefit, there's always a benefit, disadvantage. The benefit of getting your DNA back is you, you know where you're from. That's great. You're going to know where you're from. You're going to know your disposition to, God forbid, cancer 
or any uh, allergies, any physical problems. I personally don't want to know any negative disposition that my children are carrying. Sure. Yeah. Personally, well, I don't feed, want it. It'll feed yeah. this belief, you know, this self-fulfilling prophecy. Then, ah, here we go, cancer. Here we go, heart <laughs> disease. You know, my family. Yeah, got it. We, I'm gonna get it. Yeah. Yeah, but Timmy, uh, Tuesday, again, wanted- back to Dr. Gregor Little, he said that there's a genetic test that you could take to see how much uh, um, Neanderthal you have in you, right? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I, I might that. take that one. Yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> I, I mean, I would, l- listen, I would love to do it. I just, I'm just, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I guess, a little paranoid about it. No, I, yeah. but to I, me, if it's a Cro-Magnon and a Homo sapien, modern Homo sapien thing, then only smart people will be monitoring me, and that's cool. I can, I can live with that. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you don't mind being monitored, then, then great, do it, go for it. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, they already know what we're, what we're doing. Yeah, they, they know what we're talking about. You know? Yeah, uh, I we're, think har- we're, we're harmless, but you know, we we uh, uh, just ponder on so much great information, uh, and boy, you know, this this is a lot of fun, man. <laughs> I was trying like I said, it's guests like Leon that, that make this show worthwhile. It, it's it's you guys that the reason why this show exists, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thank you. Thank you. It's just interesting for me to talk about, and I appreciate you guys having me. And I just find it fascinating. I find it fascinating, and I just think that it's the biggest question of the of of, of any any other question. And the nice part about it is the interesting part about it is everything's sort of related, right? You have science. You have Religion, you have philosophy, you have all of these, even math, all of these these things are related in some way mm-hmm. to a central theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this this central theme, all humans want to know, who, where am I from? Where am I going? Yeah. What am I here for? What yeah. am I, right, what am I doing? All of these things, yeah. you know, and, you know, what's my purpose? And honestly, I think everybody wants to know that. Sure, sure. And yeah, and because they don't know when their time is up, they want to know it now. You know? <laughs> and, and speaking of time, so we've got about three minutes before we got to hand this oh. over to Michael. So, wow. Any closing comments, Leon, for our listeners? Any last comments? Yeah, and if you want to stay on for a few extra minutes as we end the show. Yeah, yeah. we can talk after. Any closing yeah, comments I just for think- our listeners? I just think, um, you know, thank you for listening to me. I think that um, for all all of you out there that push the limits and um, are not afraid to um, to really dig into the truth and to really figure out why there's a lot of hypocrisy, you know, in what you learn in school and why there's a lot of hypocrisy in what you will learn in religion, and why there's a lot of hypocrisy in what you hear on television, uh, and why there's a lot of hypocrisy in just the way that the culture that you're being brought up in, which is amazing, because I love the United States and I love its freedom. But think about things, and think critically about things, because things are not as they seem. And a lot of times, People that say things, black, the actual truth is white. Mm-hmm. It's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, a lot, in, in a lot of cases, in science, in a lot of cases, in 
theology, in a lot of cases in philosophy, a lot of things that you may have been taught or told that you know in your gut doesn't make any sense. Like you first mentioned when we first started, Chip, about, you know, about Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel doesn't make any sense. You know, you know in your heart that it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense because it it it, it never was. You know, it doesn't make sense because it never will make sense. So there's obviously there's got to be some some I guess you'd say logical solution to a problem, and it's not always the guy that screams the loudest that has the answer. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's it's the soft-spoken people on this show right here, Supernatural. <laughs> Our <laughs> guest today, Leon Beebe, it's B-I-B-I, uh, Adam Equals Alien, and Adam Decoded are available right now on Amazon.com. Monday from 7 to 9 p.m., shameless self-promotion, my show, Kindness Beyond the Veil, where we take a kinder look at paranormal, supernatural, metaphysical, extraterrestrial, uh, and other realms. Uh, honored guest, Amy Robeson, this Monday from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on this very network. Uh, talking about the Akashic Record. You know, she is an absolute master of it and uh, one of the highest recommended guests I think I've ever had. Jimmy. Yeah, Tuesday, uh, July 30th, we're going to have uh, Bill Bean with us. We're going to talk about demons nice. and uh, his experience uh, as a young ch uh, teenager growing up in Maryland. Uh, this story was featured on uh, A Haunting and he had, had written a few books about it. We're going to talk about that. And uh, like I said, uh, up next, uh, Michael Vera for Late Night. The in great the Michael Vera, yes. <laughs> late Night in the Midlands. So don't touch that dial. And Good subscriber, night. donate to this network. We love you. Go ahead, Good night, everybody. Good night. We love you. Thanks for listening. Listening to WCT.FM, talk radio like no other. God, I love the station.